If you're a first-time guest, my name is Ricky. I'm honored to be the lead pastor here at Fort Caroline, and we welcome you. There are a lot of places you could have gone this morning, but that you're here with us means the world to us, and uh, we hope you'll be encouraged by your time today. And you're coming in at the end of a campaign of generosity that we have been a part of in these last few weeks, and so today we're going to kind of culminate our, uh, our discussion out of 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 17, 18, and 19. And in just a moment, I want to share a message um, about diversify. And so if you want to open your Bible, you can do that. I'm going to put the words on the screen as well. But you guys, we challenged you to be generous with your money by giving over and above your regular giving to a local nonprofit called Her Song that rescues women right here in Arlington and Jacksonville from human trafficking and gives them a home in which they can live and <laughs> Uh, recover and be restored. And um, you guys are amazingly generous. And you want to know how much you gave? You got to come on December 16th and we will tell you how much you gave. <laughs> December 16th is going to be Celebration Sunday where we celebrate what God has done through your generosity of giving to her song. In fact, it's not too late to give. If you want to do that, it'll still be added in the total that we're going to surprise that a local nonprofit with, they don't know yet. And so we're going to surprise them uh, with every penny that you gave to her song through the Be Rich campaign. Then we challenge you to give of your service. And as Craig mentioned earlier, you guys blew it out of the water. Over 100 of you showed up at Mayport Elementary last Sunday after church. You went over there at 1 o'clock, and we, we were blown away by how hard you worked and how fast you worked. Um, many of you were out there for four hours pulling weeds and putting out mulch and pressure washing sidewalks and whatever else you guys did, putting out rock. I mean, there was a big pile of rocks and you guys moved it from one area and put it out. It was unreal how much you did. And the word we got back was the teachers and the students and the parents were just blown away when they came back to school and saw how beautiful everything looked. And Mayport Elementary School is our local uh, faith-based partner. We partner with that school to help our community reach higher. And then we ask you to serve by packing these boxes that are on the side walls and here in front of the stage. And we had 200 of them. And like Craig said, about 76 of you showed up and in 35 minutes knocked it out. And uh, you guys are unreal. And today we're going to encourage you, uh, come take a box. Take a box and be a blessing to someone else. In fact, I was writing down some of the things that you guys put in there because I didn't help you yesterday. I had a wedding. You, you put in there canned ham, mashed potatoes, mac and cheese, cranberry sauce, sweet peas, corn, juice, kids' snacks, all kinds of other vegetables. And you also put in there a Bible in each one of these boxes. And I just can't thank you enough for doing that. So be thinking right now of who you could give this to. Don and I already have someone in mind. It's a single mom, and we know that she will be so blessed to receive this, and we're probably going to throw in a pumpkin pie on top of that. And uh, so whatever you want to do and whoever you want to give that to, do that. And as Craig said, if you need this, this is for you. This is what we are about. We're a family. We take care of each other, and we take care of our community. So if you say, Pastor, I'm in need, this is why we do this. In fact, you could take a box and let that be a blessing to you. And you could take another box and give that away to someone that you know. Now, after the first service, man, we had a great response for people taking boxes out to their cars. And several people said, hey, if I have this person and I know that person, do you mind if I take a box? I'm going to answer all those questions now. No, we don't mind. Take a box. You know, I know someone at work, and I know, can I take two? 
Take, take as many as you're going to give away, and let's bless this community with generosity. And then you also brought food to give to Arlington Community Services. And we haven't totaled that up, but on December 16th, we'll tell you how many pounds of food um, that you've given. I can already tell you it's over 2,000 pounds of food. Not these boxes. Separate from this that you have given to the local food pantry here in Arlington. Let's give God a hand for that. Amen? Is that not awesome or what? And then today, we just your homework is simple. We've tried to make it easy for you to be a blessing to someone else by providing these boxes. This food was donated by some business partners in our church as well as our church paying for some of that. And so you take this now. Your homework today is going to be take a box or as many as you're going to give away and just be a blessing to someone this Thanksgiving, all right? And here's why we're doing all this. We're not doing all of this out of guilt. We recognize that we are blessed more than so many people around the world and when we really stop and take inventory of our lives, both physical blessings and spiritual blessings, we are far more rich than we think we are. And as a result of that, we do what we do out of gratitude to God, not out of guilt, not because we think we're better than other people, but we want to show our gratitude to God for how good he's been to us by being good to other people. We become more like God when we are generous and when we are giving and when we love and that's why we do this. This isn't about anything other than saying, God, thank you for all the blessings you've given me. And I want to be faithful to use those blessings to glorify you and to do good for other people. Now, we've been in a passage of Scripture these last three weeks uh, or four weeks, really. First Timothy chapter 6, uh, verses, 16, or verses 17, 18, and 19. And what we discovered was the Apostle Paul told Timothy, a new pastor, pastor in a church in the first century city of Ephesus. He said, you need to teach people who have a little more than what other people have in the things of this life, that they are to be good stewards of what they have. And, and, and so we've been basing this on the teachings of Paul to that pastor, Timothy, who was to then pass that on to his church at Ephesus. And we discovered the reason Paul wanted Timothy to preach about this, how do we handle the physical things that we have, our money and our possessions? This is a spiritual issue. And the reason Paul teaches Timothy to teach on this is because of a danger we all face, and it is the migration of hope. That we start out the Christian life, our hope is in God, man. We are depending on Him and Him alone to forgive us of our sin and to give us the sense of satisfaction and security in life. But if we're not careful, the more we have in life, the more we get blessed with money or possessions, our hope can migrate from being in God alone to being in our stuff. And we start looking to our stuff to give us happiness and satisfaction. Oh, if I just had that, I would be happy. If I just had this, oh, my life would be perfect. But those things will never satisfy you, and often they'll be here today and gone tomorrow. And so we want to fight against this migration of hope because our hope is in God. He'll never leave you. He'll never fail you. He'll be with you in this life and in the life to come. He deserves our hope. And because we don't want to see our hope migrate, we, we made a commitment. In fact, I'll put the commitment on the screen about we will not trust in riches, but in him who richly provides. Why don't you say that out loud with me? I will not trust in riches, but in him who richly provides. We're going to trust in God because God gives us everything that we have in life. He deserves our hope. He deserves our loyalty, our faith, our love, our worship, our trust. Why put your hope in provisions when you can put your hope in the provider? 
And then last Sunday, we, we made this commitment. Since I have more, I want to do more and give more. Let's put that on the screen. Since you have more, do more and give more. Say that out loud. Since you have more, do more and give more. That's where we are today. And so I'm going to encourage you to open your Bible or turn on your Bible to 1 Timothy chapter 6. And let's begin with verse 17. And let's remind ourselves of what Paul instructed Timothy. He said to Timothy, as for the rich in this present age. Now let's just pause there. Remember that phrase, present age? If there's a present age, that also means there's a future age. There's a coming age. If there's a present world in which we live, there's also a coming world where we will stand before God and give an account of how we lived our lives in this age, in this world. And Paul is saying to Timothy, Timothy, remind the people in your church who have material blessings that they're to be found faithful in this present age because they're going to give an answer in the next age, in the next life to come. So he says, as for the rich in this present age, charge them, command them, literally, not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. Paul says, Timothy, you got to charge them. You've got to exhort them. And literally in the Greek that Paul wrote this letter, you've got to command them. This is not a suggestion. This is a commandment. You command them, don't be haughty. Just because you have more stuff than somebody else doesn't mean you're better than them. It just means you're more blessed in some ways than they are. And you better be humble because everything you have comes from God. Command them, don't be haughty and don't set their hope on the uncertainty of riches. Things that can be here today and gone tomorrow. And if you put your hope in this stuff and it's gone, now you're hopeless. So you put your hope in God. He'll never leave you. You're never without hope as long as you're putting your trust in God. And God gives you everything richly to enjoy. God doesn't want you to feel guilty that he's blessed you. God wants you to feel grateful that he's blessed you. And he wants your blessings to turn into generosity. Since you have more, now you get to do more and to give more. In fact, he continues in verse 18. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. Now this brings us to our lesson today, verse 19. Thus... Storing up treasure for themselves. Now, don't, don't do what I just did. I broke up verses 18 and 19, but keep that thought together. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. And the result of all of that, they are storing up treasure for themselves. Paul is saying to Timothy, whenever you take what God has blessed you with and you bless other people with it, Here's what you're really doing. You are actually laying up a good foundation for yourself in the life to come. Not a good foundation of salvation. We are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Jesus said we're saved when we realize that God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him, Jesus, will not perish but have everlasting life. We're not saved by our good works, but we are saved for good works. We are saved to show how good our God is by how good we live. We're to be a bunch of do-gooders, right? I know that means a bad thing in our world, do-gooder, do-gooder. Who does he think he is? 
But Christians ought to be known as people who do good. It ought to be true of us that a person can say, I don't believe what they believe about Jesus. I don't believe what they believe about God. I don't believe what they believe about the Bible. But one thing I know about them is they're people who want to do good for others, and that I can agree with. So even if someone doesn't agree with us or believe like we believe, we, God's people, ought to be known as people who are doing good. And as I've told you before, you know, I, I know people want me to be good and expect me to be good. I'm the pastor, you know, you get paid to be good, but you get to be good for nothing. When people interact with you in your daily life and you bless them with food or with time or with money, it blows their mind because you didn't have to do that. You did that out of your own generosity. You did that out of your own good heart. You did it because you love God and you love them. And that, that catches the attention of people. In fact, if someone asks you, why are you doing this? A simple answer can be, because I love God and I love you. And I was able to do it. I wish I could do more, but this I can do. What a good answer. And Paul says, whenever you do that, whenever you're good to other people because God's been good to you, you're actually laying up for yourself a good foundation. Not for salvation, but for God to bless you in the life to come. Oh, I don't do what I do because I expect God to bless me. Well, that's fine. He's going to bless you anyway. He's, I don't care what your attitude is. He's going to bless you anyway. You can't outgive God. And one day, you want to hear him say, Well done, good and faithful servant. Well done. And so Paul says, Whenever you're good, you're storing up treasure for yourself. In fact, you, you, you're on God's layaway plan. You know, you can't take your stuff with you. But evidently, in a spiritual sense, you can send it on ahead. You're laying up for yourselves treasures. And he says, as a good foundation for the future. He's not talking about next year or next tax season so you can have something to write off. He's not talking about in your retirement. When he talks about the future, Paul is talking about the day we stand before God. In the kingdom of God where Christ rules and reigns in righteousness, and where the Bible says Jesus will reward his people based on what they've done in their lives, whether good or bad. He's going to reward us. And in that day, if you've been faithful in this life, you will have laid up a good foundation of treasures in the life to come. In fact, he continues in verse 19, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. Truly life. The danger of our material possessions is that we think this is what life is. Oh, life is about my stuff. Oh, life is about a bigger house and a nicer car. Life is about more money in the bank. Life is about nice vacations. And listen, there's nothing wrong with any of those things. But life is more than that. Life is about knowing God and doing good for other people. That's what life is about. You discover true life when you give your life away for God and for other people. That's when you discover what life is about. In fact, one of the things I try to do for new Christians, uh, for men, is I, I try to disciple them if I can. So I will uh, enter into a one-on-one -on -one discipling relationship. I've, I've got one going on now with uh, a guy in our church, Will. He may be in this service. He often greets you. There he is. He often greets you at the door with um, Katie and uh, Austin as our uh, guest services. But he and I meet uh, over at Nuke's Eatery 
Amen, Luke's eatery. And, uh, and we have a little devotional discipleship guide. And so before he gets there, he's read through the, the chapter that month and answered the questions and looked up the verses. And then we just walk through, how do you answer this question? What do you think that verse says? But something else we've done is we not only have our time where we sit down and we talk and we learn more about God and prayer and Jesus and salvation and temptation, but we also go out and we serve other people. So a month ago, uh, we went to the atrium. We have several church members who can no longer come to worship services here, and they live at the atrium. And so I said, why don't we go and make some visits? And so we made three visits. We wanted to make several more than that, but we ran out of time. We had such a great time with those three little ladies. And when we got back in Austin's Mustang, can I get a witness? Uh, When we got back in Austin's Mustang, he said, man, I love this. Can we do this again? I wasn't sure how I would like this. I wasn't sure how I would feel about going into a nursing home and meeting people I haven't met before. But I love that. Can we do that again? So we're going to do more of that. You know what? You know what Will discovered? You can't outgive God. You decide you're going to go and be a blessing to someone else, and you will receive the bigger blessing every single time. Because God rewards you when you're more like him. I'm going to go and bless those people. And then you walk away thinking, I think I got bigger blessing than anybody out of that. It's why whenever you're at Christmas, who gets the bigger blessing? The little children opening the presents or the grandparents who paid for the presents and watching them tear it open and enjoy it? The grandparents are just beaming and they're so happy. Because you just get the bigger blessing whenever you give. And the Apostle Paul is saying, that's what life is. Life is not your stuff. Life is what you do with your stuff. To glorify God, to show how awesome God is by how you manage your stuff. And life is about doing good for other people. And when you seek to live for God and bless other people, you'll get the better blessing, the bigger blessing as a result of that. You see, Paul wants you to think about not just today, but the day that you stand before God and give an account of how you lived your life. And will God be able to reward you because you loved and glorified God and you did good for other people? Or will you just live your life for yourself? Now, Jesus reminds us of this truth, that viewing your wealth through the lens of eternity loosens your grip on your stuff, your wealth, and its grip on you. Viewing wealth through the lens of eternity loosens our grip on it and its grip on us. In Luke chapter 12, uh, verses 16 through 21, Jesus gave one of his most famous parables. You know, a, a story that has a spiritual message behind it. And it was the story of a rich fool. This rich farmer who's done well for himself, but he lived foolishly. Because he did not view his wealth through the lens of eternity, he just lived for the day. He thought life was about stuff, collecting stuff and enjoying stuff. And he never thought about God. And he never thought about the truth that I really don't own anything. I'm just a steward. I'm a manager of what God has given me. And he never thought about blessing other people. Life was just about himself. The reason Jesus told this story is because two Brothers were arguing among themselves in Jesus' day. And here Jesus is teaching, and one of the brothers interrupts Jesus. Hey, 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 before you keep on with that sermon, I need you to do something. You need to tell my brother to to share some of the inheritance with me. 
two brothers were fighting over an inheritance from their family. And I've never heard of that. I've never heard of families arguing over inheritance things when people die. But evidently that happened in the first century in Jesus' day. And Jesus said, why are you asking me to get involved in this? And by the way, Jesus said, life does not just consist in the abundance of possessions. If you think life is about your stuff, you've missed the heart of God. And so with that context, then Jesus told this story. He said in, in Luke chapter 12, verse 16, he told them a parable saying, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. He was already rich, and now he's richer. He's done well this harvest season. Verse 17, and he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. I don't feel sorry for these kind of people, do you? He just like said, man, what am I going to do? I don't have enough garages for my cars. Well, pity you, poor soul. I'm so sorry. And this guy's thinking, what am I going to do? I've got too much stuff and not enough barns. In verse 18, and he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. Now, by the way, that's not a bad idea. That's a, that's a very logical rational decision. It's not a bad idea unless this life is all there is. If there's more to life than life, if there's another life coming, then maybe instead of saying to himself, what shall I do? Maybe he should have said, Heavenly Father, you've been so good to me. What do you want me to do with this bounty that you've provided for me. But nowhere do we hear him praying. Nowhere do we hear him talking about glorifying God. Nowhere do we hear him thinking about maybe leveraging what he has to help someone who is less fortunate. No, it's really life is just about him. I'll tear down my barns, build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods. Verse 19, and I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. Just have a party, man. You are set. The rest of your life is easy street. You've got many years to just sit back and enjoy life. There again, there's nothing wrong with enjoying life. There's nothing wrong with planning for a retirement. That's not the point Jesus is making. Jesus is saying, all that's fine if this life is all there is. But there's more to life than life. There's a God who should be glorified. And there are people to whom we should do good. Verse 20, but God said to him, fool, and literally senseless one, one who is not thinking, this night your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? God interrupts the party. And says, you're living senselessly. You're living foolishly. You're living like a fool, only thinking of today. And by the way, you think you've got many years. You don't even have one more night. Tonight, your soul will be required of you. Oh, and by the way, whenever you're dead and gone, who gets all this stuff you've worked so hard for? You want to enjoy it? One of the greatest illustrations of this truth, that you and I own nothing but we are stewards, we're managers of everything entrusted by God with what we have is this parable. 
that you brought nothing into this world and you will take nothing out of this world. In other words, everything you have is on loan to you. And God expects you to manage it on His behalf. So that whenever you die and you stand before God, you can say, I've been as faithful as I could be with the things you've given me. With my time, with my talents, with my money, even with my testimony of salvation in Jesus, I've shared it as much as I could with other people. And by the way, if this worries you that preachers talk about dying, you'll notice Jesus is the one who talked about it. And I've always said to you, I'll make a deal. If you get people to stop dying, I'll stop talking about it. But the truth is, one out of one people die. People are dying who've never died before. And so you're going to stand before God and give an account one day. I will as well. And this is not about salvation, that, oh, my good works need to outweigh my bad works. And if my good works outweigh my bad works, I get into heaven. No, this is not about salvation. This is about service. After you've been saved, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, For by grace are you saved through faith in Christ, and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. You weren't saved by your good works, but you are saved for them. And we're going to stand before God one day and give an account. Here's what I did, God, with everything you entrusted to me. My life, my family, my friends, my influence, my money, my opportunities. Here's what I did with what you entrusted to me. And then verse 21, Jesus applies the parable. So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Jesus says, we're just like that. Foolish farmer, whenever we think life is just about us and we are not rich towards God, rich towards God by saying, God, everything I have is yours. I lay it at your feet. I bless you with everything you've blessed me with. What do you want me to do with all of this that you've entrusted to me? And he says in verse 33 of Luke chapter 12, sell your possessions and give to the needy Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. Jesus is saying you need to use your earthly wealth for eternal good. You can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead by glorifying God with what you have and by investing in people made in the image of God. God will always bless that. God will always reward that. So in addition to a savings plan and a spending plan, we also personally need in our lives a sharing plan. We need a giving plan. I want to have a plan for my savings. Here's how much I make. Here's how much I need to save. I need a spending plan. I need a budget. Here's how much I'm going to spend, and I'm going to tell my dollars where they go. And I'm going to have a budget so I, I know. But not only do I need a saving and a spending, I need a sharing plan. That I need to say, God, what part of what you've given me do you want me to share through your church and with other people and other opportunities? It has been said that there are two types of givers, either a, a 3S giver or a 3P giver. I wrote them down so I wouldn't forget them. A 3S giver 
is a person who gives, but they are sporadic, spontaneous, and sparing. Don't be a 3S giver. A 3S giver is sporadic. It's not a regular part of their life. They've not made plans for it. It's off and on, hot and cold. When I'm thinking about it, I will, but I don't always think about it, so I don't. Or it's spontaneous. Oh, I saw that commercial. I'll give to that. Oh, I heard about this need. I'll give to that. But it's not thoughtful. It's not prayerful. It's just spontaneous. And it's sparing. I won't give sacrificially. I'll just give as little as I can and still feel good about myself. Instead of being a 3S giver, be a 3P giver. Priority, percentage, and progressive. Priority. God comes first. Don and I made a commitment when we were married. And we actually both practiced this individually before we were married. But we made a commitment as a husband and a wife that God will come first in our budget. That we're going to give God 10% of our income first. You know what we discovered? If we don't put God first, God gets left out. It just always worked that way. God would just get squeezed out if we didn't put God first. God, we're going we're to put the 10% we want to give you aside first, and then we're going to live on what's left, the 90% that is left. And even with the 90, we want to glorify you with that as well. And so set your priority. Everything I have comes from God. God comes first in my life. He has first dibs on everything I've got. And not only set a priority, set a percentage that I want to give this percent of my income to God and to others and help. Now, I believe in giving 10%, and I touched on this last Sunday. But I, and if you weren't here, go back and listen to that message. But you need to set a percentage, and you need to start growing in where you believe God would have you to give because God is a generous God. And then progressive. Don't just stop there. Keep growing. In fact, what Don and I do is we give our 10% first through the church. So we put our regular general offering in the offering plate. Actually, we do uh, bill pay now, so it just comes out automatically. And uh, that's easy. Whenever you put God first, just put it bill pay. It always comes out. <laughs> it's funny how that happens. It never misses that. Well, I, even if we're not here on Sunday morning, it's coming out. <laughs> and it's going to go to the general ministries of our church that make everything we do here possible. And then over and above that, we give to things like Be Rich. We give to things like the Global Missions Offering. We give to the Baptist Children's Home. We give to Ecuador. We fund our mission trips. We do that over and above our 10%. You need to figure out what that looks like for you. I say, God... I want to set you as my priority. I want to set a percentage of my income that I'm going to be sacrificial, and I want to be progressively growing in my generosity. Because the more I have, the more good I can do. And so, God, I want you to bless me. Because viewing wealth through the lens of eternity loosens our grip on it and its grip on us. In fact, let's say that out loud. Viewing wealth through the lens of eternity loosens our grip on it and its grip on us. I wrote my notes, and I, I didn't bring those with me. I, I studied during the week, but I don't always bring all that with me. And I wrote myself a note, and this was really for me, so I'm just going to share it with you. Maybe it'll help you a little. But I wrote in my journal, thinking about the day I stand before Jesus. What a day that's going to be. I just can't, my mind can't comprehend it, what it's going to be like to be in his presence and to feel just nothing but love and grace and acceptance from him. And to see the nail prints in his hands where he was crucified for me, 
And to see the scar in his side where that Roman soldier drew, drove that spear into his side, proving he was dead. The Bible says blood and water poured out of that wound. I can't imagine what that's going to be like. But what a day that's going to be. And then as I was thinking about that, I wrote in my journal, I can't give him too much, but I can't give him too little. I can't give that Savior too much of my time, but I can't give him too little of my time. I can't give him too much of my money, but I can give him too little. I can't give him too much of my heart and devotion, but I can give him too little. And I'll be honest, I struggle because often I give him too little. And so this whole sermon series has been more for me than you, perhaps. To say, dear Lord Jesus, I want to thank you for being so good to me. And I want to be more like you and more generous. I know I can't give you too much. I could never repay you for what you've done. But I can't give you too little, and I don't want to be found thinking only of me first. I want to glorify you, and I want to do good for the people that you died for. And I think that's all of our hearts. We want to do good. It's never too soon to do good, but it may soon be too late. So let's be good. Let's be rich in generosity. I'm going to pray for you today. If you need to receive Jesus, I'm going to lead you in how to do that right now in this prayer. If you need to rededicate your heart to him and say, God, everything I have is yours. I give it to you. I want to be found faithful. I'm going to lead you in that prayer as well. And then as soon as this service is over, I want you to do something. We've got some boxes sitting on this side wall and on this side wall and these. Come and take as many as you want. For you, if you need a a box, you take one for you and be blessed by your church family. If you want to give some away to others, Do what the Lord lays on your heart. There's no fine print on who can take and who can't take. You don't have to be a member of our church to do this. You don't even have to be a Christian to do this. You don't have to believe like we do. If you believe in doing good for others, participate, and we welcome you. And what I want to also do in our prayer time is pray for who's going to receive your box of blessing with that Bible in it, that it could be a life changer for them. Is that a deal? And then as soon as we prayed... You can be dismissed. If you need to know more about God or somebody to pray for you or your next step in the life of our church, meet our guest services volunteers at the Next Step area right as you make your way out on the right there. You'll see the sign, what is your next step? And we are going to be there to help you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for Jesus who died for us on the cross of Calvary. He took the punishment for our sin and he paid the price for our forgiveness. And we thank you that he promises that whoever believes in him will not perish, but instead will have everlasting life. And so, God, there could be a young person here today or a husband or a wife or a mom or a dad or a grandparent. It could be one of these single adults that needs Jesus today. No amount of good work can save them, but the work of Jesus on the cross has been done. And I pray that today they would receive his love by saying, Dear Lord Jesus, I admit to you I'm a sinner. Thank you for dying for me on the cross. I believe you're the son of God and you rose from the dead. And I confess my sin and my faith in you today. And Father, I thank you that you promised whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I pray that today if they receive Jesus as Savior, they will let someone know before this morning is over. Maybe they'll go back to the what's your next step area and say today I pray to receive Jesus so that we can rejoice with them. Or maybe they'll tell the person who came. Or maybe they'll schedule their baptism to go public with their faith in a crucified, buried, and resurrected Savior. 
God, others in this room are believers, but we rededicate ourselves to you. Saying, God, everything we have comes from you. We are managers, not owners. You are the owner. You're the giver. And we want you to have your will and way in our lives. Guide us into what you want us to do with our time, talent, treasure, our testimony. And help us to glorify you and to do good for other people. That's going to look different for each one of us. But would your Holy Spirit guide us and lead us? And God, whoever received these boxes, we pray your blessings on them. As they receive it and open it, may they just feel loved. As they think about this Thanksgiving, may they be thankful that there are people who truly do care for them. Father, we pray as well that not only will they be physically fed, but that that Bible will be opened and someone will be spiritually fed and saved and brought into a relationship with you through faith in Jesus Christ. And they'll be able to join the song of the redeemed, free, free, I'm free at last. God, we give you praise and we claim the victory of what's going to happen as we unleash generosity in your community. In Jesus' name we pray and all of God's people said, amen. Love you guys.